So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. Welcome to KafaroCast, everyone. It's November 28th. I'm just back from several days of whitetail hunting down in Oklahoma and Texas. Um, ended up having a really good hunt. I was with my buddy Scotty Campbell and uh, Barnwell was down there, Ryan Barnwell, as well as Dan Collins. He came down kind of in the middle of the hunt uh, to hang out. But I did a, when I got back, I did a Q&A. I had a kind of a day to kill where I was working on, uh, you know, unloading my gear, uh, trying to, you know, unfuckulate my current situation as far as piles of gear in my garage and bloody arrows everywhere. And anyway, just having a recovery day. So I did a Q&A and I had a ton of the same questions, which I get a lot, but some of them are a little more prevalent than others. And so I wanted to knock out some of those, answer some of those questions, um, you know, verbally more than trying to answer them in, in text. And I, I'm not going to be able to get to all of the ones that get asked quite a bit, but I made a little bit of a list here. So maybe a boring podcast may not be, it'll be informational. I'm just going to go down what I remembered <laughs> when I was taking notes a little while ago of higher, you know, of, of more of the, um, more of the prevalent questions that that I get that that do come up over and over and over when I do these Q and A's. So I am going to put a chew in real quick. Um, and oh, one of the first questions I got was I was shooting a target bow um, as I'm putting this chew in. And to me, uh, that one got asked a lot. And to me, I don't really uh, the, the target bow thing to me is kind of funny because what you know what is a target bow if it's silver I, I get that or sparkly purple or orange or whatever mm, yeah that's a target bow but i don't define target bows by axle to axle um you know i'm, I'm a little bit old school i'm working on what am i going to be 47 this year so you know, back in the day, 35 inches was a short bow. And so I, you know, I, I just want to shoot an accurate bow. And I was shooting an elite verdict, which is 37 and change, good brace height, good speed. Uh, and I actually never really looked at that as a, as a necessarily a target bow or a hunting bow. It's just a good all around bow. You know, so for me, as far as the ATA, that one got asked a bunch, axle to axle uh, or, or shooting a target bow for hunting. I do not look at it that way. I shoot the bow that benefits me the best as far as speed. Yes, some maneuverability, but tunability, durability, speed, forgiveness, all of those things. And I didn't have any issue going down to hunt with that in a in a tree stand. So as far as the, you know, air quotation target bow, I just don't look at things that way. I look at it, look at it as what's best um or most accurate for me. Cause if you look at a guy, if he's got a 31 inch draw. Eh, 32 or whatever inch draw, 37 inch axle to axle bow is now a hunting bow. So it's, you know, I don't, I don't look at it like most people do. A lot of those shorter bows get pushed onto the market. No problem with that. If that's what you're comfortable with, you need the maneuverability. But again, I like a longer bow. Um, you know, having said that, I have tested a bunch of different bows this year. Uh, you know, I shot that Omen from PSE, great bow. One of my favorites of all time, especially for a hunting bow, good speed for a special air, excuse me, smooth and really good speed for how smooth it was. Uh, the Elite Omni, I shot that recently. Same thing. Crazy adjustable cam, super smooth. Um, but 
it's not an elite verdict. Um, I shoot that thing better than as, as accurate as anything I've ever shot, but it's longer. And so you got to deal with that a little bit. So again, I don't really worry about axle to axle within reason as far as hunting or target bow. Anything under 40 inches, 38 inches to me, somewhere in that neighborhood, you know, if it shoots good, I'm not worried about maneuverability. I'm using a 62 inch recurve for the last five or six years. So, you know, uh, not a big deal. So the next one is vein configuration. That one gets asked a ton, three fetch, fletch, four fletch, um, you know, three inch, two inch, high profile, low profile. I'm kind of getting to the point where that 2.6, 2.7 to three inch, three fletch is what I'm going with. Um, I think there's probably a little bit more accuracy, maybe sometimes with four fletch and I shot four fletch for years. Um, there's more noise. Um, the Q2i Griff X four fletch 1.75, pretty quiet. The uh, Tac Vane 1.75 or whatever that is, four fletch, fairly quiet. Man or steerability, not quite. Mm. Not going to get as much, you know, guidance or, or, or recovery or whatever you want to call it, stability with those short veins. So for me, I've been using uh, 2.75. I tried tack drivers, uh, tack veins. Those were really good, really quiet. 2.6 inch hybrids I've used forever. Uh, three inch uh, flex fletch, those things, uh, the silent nights, those were, were amazing. But, but when anytime I compare three fletch to four fletch, unless I'm using a tiny vein when I four fletch, the three fletch with, within reason, not every vein, but most veins are going to be quieter, especially if it's a moderate profile three fletch. So the three fletch, fletch, four fletch thing, use what you're comfortable with and what you feel, you know, is going to be the most accurate for you. But that, you know, two and three quarter to three inch, three fletch, moderate amount of helical, moderate amount of offset, I think is the best way to go. Meaning, one or two degrees with a little offset with a little helical is going to be your best bet. Now, the, the next thing is left or right helical um, or left or right offset. Uh, Levi did a video at one point about, you know, the way your arrow naturally, rot naturally rotates um, out of the bow. Generally, if it's got a right twist to the string, I think I'm remembering this correctly, it rotates to the right. So clockwise, it rotates right. Counterclockwise, your arrow naturally rotates left. Most strings, not every string maker, is clockwise. Um, some, some, you know, some string makers, it's counterclockwise. Now, uh, you know, for me, I use left helical uh, and left offset. There's no specific reason I did that. You know, I used to be told way back in the day you wanted it to rotate away from the riser. I think that was a wives' tale back then. That was one of those things that was told to somebody, to somebody, to somebody, transferred around the world a little bit and then became gospel, which is not the case. I just used left helical because that's what I used. I had no reason to, to do it. It actually probably is, you know, technically backwards from the way maybe my arrow is spinning out of the bow naturally without veins on it. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't clock your arrows, meaning you shouldn't see which way they rotate. But if you've got a right or a, a clockwise twist to your string, maybe shoot right offset or right helical. If you got left, do the other. I don't worry about it that much. Maybe I'll be more accurate if I did it the other way. I just never have focused on it. Um, as far as offset helical, you know, super helical off of AAE Minimax, 
to me, one to two degrees with a compound with a slight amount of helical or just offset is plenty for stabilization, especially with a mechanical. So right now, um, I've got a Veinmaster Pro where I've got a few of them, and I set that up with two degree offset and a slight amount of helical. You don't have to have helical with a compound. It's not that big of a deal. You can just do offset if you wanted to or straight, meaning a straight fletch with offset so that the fletch is curved. All of this is personal preference and dependent upon that person's bow. If you should throw anything in that two and three quarter to three inch with a two degree offset or, or a little bit of helical on there, you're going to be fine. Don't get too wrapped up in, in all of that. As you get better as a shooter, you're going to find out what works best for you. But out of the gate, two and three quarter, three inch, three fletch, or maybe two point or two inch, 2.1 or a little around there. Uh, and four fletch is going to be plenty to get, get your arrow steered. So don't get too wrapped up in that. Um, but yeah, give you an idea of where I I, I I just tested a bunch of three and four fletch and found the four fletch for the most part to be louder. I've had really good luck with three fletch, even though I shot four fletch for years. And so I went with three fletch, a little bit of offset, a little bit of helical. And in that two and three quarter to three inch, I'm still testing a bunch of different veins. But don't get too wrapped up in that. It's not that big of a deal. Um, uh, tree stands. Uh, I, I use Lone Wolf. Um, I'm using a 1.0 with three 20-inch sticks with the aiders on it, which is basically an extender or a cable that comes down. Um, if I sat all day, I might use a 2.0, um, you know, or a bigger platform or whatever as far as like, you know, more comfort, a little bit of maneuverability. You know, we use, use a lot of ladder stands in Oklahoma and Texas as well. Uh, the, you know, the big thing like Lone Wolf is kind of the – pioneer in my opinion and a lot of different stuff and so that's you know i and, and cody and i are friends i get along with them um mm, i'm not always using a, a hang-on or a climber a lot of times i'm using a ladder stand sometimes i'm using a hang-on but i i don't uh you know for me the biggest thing is noise that's what i worry about and weight um you know if i can get as high as i want to get with 320 inch of those lone wolf sticks i can get plenty high um not to sound like Panama Red, but get plenty high. And with that 1.0, I got enough platform and enough seat, um, you know, to maneuver around and, and it's extremely quiet. Um, the biggest thing for me, like, again, I want to get, um, I want to be uh, 14, 16 feet. I don't go much higher than that. 12 to 16 is about as high as I go. And I want the, the noise to be minimum, like low amount of noise, meaning no noise. Ladder stands can be a little bit uh, loud, but I, I got a ton of questions as far as that goes. Lone Wolf offers many different sizes, but that 1.0 is the best all around for me. I do have some 2.0s, which a little bit more room, but when I'm using one of those, um, we're, we're getting away from where the ladder stands are set up. And I need to, you know, as far as weight, try to get in there as light as I can, quick as I can, and as quiet as I can. That allows me that 320 inch and that 1.0 allows me to do that. Uh, let's see. Mm. Sorry, I had to spit my chew out there. Uh, the shoulder, the frontal shot. I posted a video uh, on my page and that gave a lot of questions in that Q&A about shot angles, um, the shoulder, when to worry about it, you know, arrow setups and all that. Uh, 
I don't worry about the shoulder a lot on a whitetail. Mm. Even with a two-inch sever, which I'll go into that in a little bit. I shot one buck specifically. Uh, I caught the. I, I shot it coming straight at me, slightly quartering, put it between the neck and the shoulder, caught the top of the scapula, blew out the backside of its heart between its legs. That's a shot that I like. Um, mm. I personally would choose that shot over a, a heavy quartering shot. And even when I say a steep, like a steep quartering shot, if the, the conditions are correct, and so the deer is not alert, and, you know, whether he's feeding or he was chasing a doe and stopped or whatever, uh, that slightly quartering to splitting the shoulder um, and, and the neck, uh, if anybody's pulled off a front shoulder, understands what I'm talking about, not too hard to penetrate, but I don't worry about getting through the shoulder that much. I had one guy reply, not in a negative way, just said, what 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 system are you using to not worry about the shoulder? I've blown through a ton of whitetail shoulders, and you got to be careful if you have a shorter draw length, lower poundage, lighter arrow. That's one thing. But I'm shooting 72 pounds with a 500-grain arrow. I have no idea what my FOC is. Um, getting two, what am I, 268, 270, something like that, 272. Um, I'll go through the shoulder and almost every part of it. Now, you hit the knuckle a little bit different. Not probably going to go through, not probably. You're not going to go through that. But I clipped the shoulder. I aim in that golden triangle. I think some people call it now the vital V is the new catchphrase. Um, I, I don't worry about clipping the scapula. Even with a stick bow, I went through that scapula. You hit the T of the scapula, you're probably going to be in trouble. And maybe if you're shooting, you know, crazy heavy arrow weight, high poundage, you might get through that T. I clipped it on the shot I was talking about, uh, but I didn't hit it dead center. But I don't worry. You know, what I worry about is gut shots. Um, one of the reasons I like shooting a bigger size mechanical, um, you know, is, is, is a gut shot that, that frontal shot, um, if you do it right or, or choose to not do it at the right time, uh, is very lethal. You know, you're basically going through, depending upon how high it is, top of the lungs. Uh, and it, if it's steep, you're going to hit heart. If it's uh, not as steep, you're going to go lungs, liver. And then sometimes you might catch guts. I try not to make a shot where I'm going to catch guts. Um, you know, when, when I say that, meaning that depending upon the angle and how steep it is and everything else, not that I worry about hitting guts, it doesn't ruin any meat. Um, it's a little bit messy when you're, you know, cutting it out, but, uh, what, you know, I want a quick kill. So I'm looking for lungs and heart on a steep shot. And that shot was like six, seven yards away from the tree stand. So almost straight down, um, aimed relatively high, you know, it, it, it that, that upper three quarter portion, came out, not a shot I worry about, but it's also a shot not everyone should take. If you're not overly accurate, you kind of black out, you forget to look through your peep sight, things like that. Yeah, don't don't take that shot. I'm not promoting it necessarily, but I'm also saying that don't be scared of it if you're extremely accurate and you have the the ass behind your arrow to, to you know, to take that shot. So um, not something I worry about. If you want to check it out on my, my Instagram page, I got a video up of the arrow you know, where the entry and the exit was, as well as the heart and uh, the size of the entry and exit, just so people could see it. And I shot that with a two inch sever. Um, point weight, arrow weight, FOC. I don't really pay attention to my FOC unless I pounded about it. Um, I want to be between 150 to 175 grains up front. Um, 
When I say that, it's c- components and broadhead. So right now I've got a 50 grain brass insert. I'm shooting an Easton Axis 300 and a 125 point. So 175 up front. Um, yeah, whatever the FOC that ends up being. Airways around 500 grains. I'd probably, if I had a choice, I'd want to shoot it a little bit lighter, get into that 465 to 475 range, but that's where it tuned out. So that's what I'm shooting. That's plenty of that's plenty of arrow weight uh, to you know a, a, again with my setup, especially with whitetail, even mule deer, to get through just about anything you need to. Again, you hit the shoulder, the t or the the knuckle of the shoulder and the t of the scapula a little bit different, but a lot of ass behind that arrow. I'm going to get through what I need to. I shoot that bigger cutting diameter in case I hit back, liver, stomach, intestines, and so. Something to think about, and I'll go into that. And, you know, one, one of the other portions of this as far as broadhead size or fixed or mechanical. But, um, you know, to me, if you're shooting 29-inch draw length around 70 pounds, somewhere in that 465 to 45, 485 grains for anything in North America is plenty, even moose. Um, you know, you may shoot a smaller mechanical or a fixed blade if you're worried about it, but that is going to go through just about anything. Uh, this year I've been lucky enough to shoot, you know, antelope, mule deer, elk, bison, um, whitetail, owdad, and I shot a one and a half to two inch mechanical for everything. A sever for all but a couple. Shot a schwacker for a couple of those. Um, no problem with any of them. Uh, went went either passed through or, you know, buried into the shoulder on the opposite side. No issue. So, I, I, you know, guys will message me. I'm shooting 80 pounds with a 550 grain arrow. Can I shoot a mechanical at elk? You can shoot pretty much anything you want at any animal in North America. So don't get too wrapped up in that. Just make sure your arrow's flying true. You've got a decent amount of point weight, decent amount of arrow weight. Again, using that 2970 as a parameter or, or a blueprint to start. You're going to get, you know, four, you know, 265 to 285 feet per second. You're going through anything you want to. Uh, so don't, you know, don't stress about that. If, 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 you know, you're worried about shooting a big mechanical or even a moderate mechanical, go to a fixed blade. I've had really good luck with those severs. So that's what I'm shooting. But again, with that parameter, you start going into the 26 inch draw length, 27 inch draw length, and that 430 to 450 grain arrow. Okay, you're not going to be able to dive into that shoulder too much. You are you you may have trouble. You may not want to shoot a big mechanical. You may want to go to a fixed blade, but not something to stress about a ton. You know, generally you hit it behind the shoulder with an arrow doing 280 feet per second and 425 to 475 grains. You're zipping through that thing. I see a lot of people really worry about that shoulder. You do the math. There's a much higher percentage to hit liver, stomach, and guts or intestines by far than hitting portions of that shoulder you can't go through. So I, I get if you want to shoot a heavy arrow, no problem with that. Good speed, good arrow weight, decent point weight. Worry about those things and and accuracy. Accuracy is king with all of that. Um, the percentage of let off. Uh, I've had multiple people ask me about what let off to shoot. The lower the let off, harder it is to hold back. Some people like lower let off for, you know, a higher holding weight for accuracy. But with hunting, 
I don't like crazy high let off bows at 90%. I also don't really want to be down at 70%. So I'm in that 75, 80% category. When you start to talk about aiming, the stabilization weight comes into play with that as far as you may want to add more weight or take away more weight depending upon your holding weight. With hunting, what I would say is I want you to make sure that whatever your let off is, you can hold the bow back for a little while. You can, um, you know, you're, you're accurate, uh, you know, as far as grouping from 20 out to your effective range. And if you're more worried about longer shots with what you're hunting, uh, more than closer, worry less about maybe holding the bow back as long because the animal's out there farther and worry more about accuracy. But that's something you have to play with. Everybody's a little bit different. Some people like higher holding weight. Some people like lower holding weight. Some people like a lot of back, uh, you know, weight on their kicker bar or their back bar. Some people like a lot of stabilizer weight. You got to screw around with that. I can't answer that for you. That's personal preference depending upon what you, you, you know, you like or what you're hunting. So for me, I'm usually in that four to six ounces up front, and I'm in that 10 to 12 ounces uh, on the kicker bar. My bow weighs between eight and nine pounds, um, and I'm generally in that 75, 80, 85 percent let off depending upon the bow, and I can adjust it. Well, that's one of the reasons I like that Elite Can system. I can do one percent draw length or or one percent let off adjustments and screw around with my holding weight to where I get the most comfortable. Some people don't want to put that much effort into it. Don't worry about the let off if you don't want to mess with as far as what the bow comes from the factory, what you bought it from the pro shop. Screw around with a stabilizer and, and kicker weight or back, you know, uh, you know, back bar weight a little bit. Um, if you're not going to adjust the let off, just add a little bit of weight on the stabilizer or the kicker bar. Take a little bit of weight away. See what you group with best. Um, but again, that's, you know, what I just talked about. That's the the best thing, uh, you know, for me as far as that 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 weight up front and back. So fixed or mechanical heads and then what size? Um, to, uh, people ask me about, you know, why am I not shooting specifically like an iron wheel or a cutthroat? Why I'm shooting a mechanical? When I shot a stick bow, I shot cutthroats and iron wheels. Uh, and I shot tons of other broadheads as well. I'm shooting a stick bow, 170 to 80 feet per second, 575 to 600 and some grain arrow. Um, with a, with a compound, I got technology on my side. I want the largest hole possible when I go through an animal, whether that be a good shot or a bad one. That's why I like a mechanical, no different than hitting, uh, deer in the, let's say you make a bad shot on the stomach with a five, five, six or a three thirty eight Lapua. It's going to remember your name a lot more with a three thirty eight. So if I'm a little bit back, I hit the liver, stomach or intestines, um, I'm like a lot better chance of finding that animal with more damage, which with a wider or, or bigger mechanical. Now, if you're lower, you know, if you're comfortable with fixed blades, shoot a fixed blade. I'm not talking you out of that. Um, but lower draw weight, shorter draw length, you may want to lean more towards a fixed blade or a smaller mechanical. I shoot the largest mechanical two inch that I feel comfortable with for everything. And I'll usually have a 1.5 sever as my secondary arrow. And that's usually because that's going to be a follow-up arrow where I might be reaching out and touching something, um, you know, in that 60 to 110 yard range for a follow-up if I need that. I haven't needed that this year, thankfully. Uh, but that's why I may shoot a smaller cutting diameter, could be at distance. And obviously you lose momentum at distance. And so shoot a smaller cutting diameter mechanical. Fixed blade, if you're comfortable with fixed blades, I'm not talking you out of it. There's pros and cons to both. Penetration is going to be better 
with most fixed blades compared to mechanicals. So if you are, you know, get up into that shoulder or something happens and you're worried, you know, you, you, you're either have that had had that happen or you're worried about that happening, fixed blade. If you're worried about, you know, the, the, the bigger percentage of possibilities of hitting the body back, a large, nobody's going to talk me out of this one. A larger cutting broadhead, whether that's fixed or mechanical, is going to save you. Uh, meaning if you hit stomach, liver, uh, and intestines. So something to think about. Uh, adding to that, I've talked about before where the arrow hits. And this is a question I don't answer publicly a lot just because it doesn't cast a great shadow sometimes on hunting. You do make bad shots sometimes. When you hit something in the stomach compared to the intestines, the stomach takes longer for that animal to die and septic shot to come into play compared to it hits the spirit world a lot earlier with an intestine shot. So you figure within two to four hours of hitting something in the intestines compared to something in the stomach, it is in a lot worse shape with a shot to the intestines than it is into the stomach. A lot of this comes when, you, when you're talking about this, when do you take off after the animal to find it or get a second arrow into it? Uh, meaning, you know, how, how bad it's doing. Is that a, a bolt of adrenaline if it sees you going to make it carry it a mile or make it carry that animal 100 yards? The farther back you go when you hit into that intestine region, it's just not going to go as far. It's going to be hitting the spirit world a lot sooner. Um, obviously, you don't want that to happen. You train and practice for that not to happen. And the larger diameter cutting uh, surface you have, the more trauma you can cause, the quicker it goes into the spirit world, expires, or you can get a secondary arrow into it. So you start up front. You got, you know, obviously lungs and liver. Great. You hit those. It's going to die quick. You go back liver. Probably going to bed up within 80 to 150 yards. Not going to be very happy. It's going to hit the spirit world fairly quick and expire in four hours or less generally. You go to the stomach, worst place in the world to hit it. It's going to live a long time, 8, 10, 12, 14 hours. Um, before it dies, it can travel a long ways, uh, you know, depending. You go back into the intestines, you're looking at four to six hours, eight at the most from my experience, and it's going to hit that spirit world in half or one-third of the time compared to a stomach shot. So something to think about. Um, all right, next one, puffy jackets. Hey, can I, you know, is X, Y, or Z puffy jacket quiet enough to bow hunt whitetail in a tree stand? That answer is generally no for a technical puff jacket, meaning, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30D, whatever lightweight material on the outside, insulation in the middle, meaning down or synthetic. Those jackets are loud. That's still nylon. Generally speaking, on the outer layer, outer shell, it's loud. It's made for an intermediate insulation layer, meaning there's another layer to go on the outside of that with generally a windbreaker or a moderate windbreaker that's going to be quiet when you're hunting whitetail. So most now when I've had people list off companies that make a, you know, air quotation puffy jacket you can hunt in. Yeah, that's really not what I would consider a puffy jacket or a puff jacket or whatever you want to call it. That is is definitely reaching into a realm that is not into the puff jacket era or or spectrum. 
when you get into a three pound jacket that has a, you know, low nap outer fleece layer or whatever, uh, and fleece on the inside and some insulation in the middle, that's straight up a white tail hunting jacket. A puff jacket to me is one that compresses a lot. Um, it's made for an insulation layer, no puffy jacket, what I consider is made for an outer shell to hunt whitetails. Now that's the Kafaru Lost Park Parka, any Sitka, any Born Primitive puffy jacket. You're not going to be able to hunt whitetail in those. You might wear it in a ground blind, take it off when an animal comes in or whatever. Or again, where I wear them is in is a is a you know I have my base layer, fleece layer, puff jacket, and outer layer. I wear it under that outer layer, outer layer, and that outer layer is quiet. So. Don't get any false hope that a puffy jacket's going to be quiet enough for for whitetail hunting. Uh, let's see. Next on the list, hinge releases or or for hunting. I hunt with a hinge release most of the time. It is the best option I have. Um, you know, when I say that, meaning, you know, I don't mind. I have a click on my hinge release. I don't worry about the click. It hasn't ever caused me problems with an animal in front of me. Uh, it doesn't. Um, it just it's just more accurate for me. I don't mind. I keep it in my pocket. Uh, you know, it, whether whether that be in like my kangaroo pocket on my 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 jacket or my my front pant pocket, but I have zero issue hunting with a hinge. I've hunted with one for 20 plus years and not a problem. When it's windy, there's a argument to to use, you know, a, a puncher uh release. You, you can punch off a hinge. It's a little bit more aggressive, may cause a little bit more aerofly problems. But if you're comfortable with a hinge, hunt with one. Levi hunts with one. Justin, a ton of pe- Justin Hannah hunts with a ton of people I know hunt with a, a hinge. I've hunted one forever. I do not worry about that click. I think one white tail stopped for me, and it was actually a benefit because it stopped walking when it clicked. Uh, elk once stopped when it clicked, but for the most part, I mean, 99% of the time, not an issue. So do not worry about hunting with a hinge. It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. All right. I talked a little bit about this as far as stabilizer weight offset brackets. That's something each person's going to have to screw around with. Um, I use an offset bracket for most of my bow setups. I have a shorter kicker, six or eight inch kicker bracket, uh, coming off the back, uh, and a usually 11 or 12 inch off the front. Usually I'm like 60, 40, 70, 30 weight. So I got um, 30 to 40% on my front bar and uh, the rest on my back bar. So, you know, if we're talking about, I'm going to have 10 ounces total, I'm going to have three ounces on the front bar, seven ounces on the back bar. Uh, That's different for everyone, depending upon the let off and the bow you're shooting, but that's something you have to screw around with yourself. Uh, to see what's going to work best, uh, you know, for you. Uh, next one's boots. I wear Baffin or Boffin or however you pronounce them, extreme cold weather boots in the tree stand when it's that cold. You know, the rest of the time I wear a Zamberlin 2092 for tree stand hunting. It's more of a mountaineering boot, but it's warm. I like the boot. Um, you know, that's down to probably freezing or so or and, and up for, for that. After that, I wear an insulated, you know, that Baffin boot. But when, when I wear, I don't like anything over eight or nine inches in ankle height. So, you know, when I'm talking about, um, you know, when people say hunting boot, I think they think of that 11, 12 inch high boot. So me, eight, nine inches with I'm whitetail hunting, there's rubber muck boots. People wear those. Lacrosse makes those boots. Those are great for whitetail hunting. But for me, 
I'm so used to, and what I have is that Zamberlin 2092. I wear that in a tree stand a bunch, unless it's extremely cold. When I wear that uh, Baffin or a lacrosse or, or what muck boot, um, you know, I wear, I get a size bigger to allow a little more room to put a hot hand down there to warm my toes up. For me, it's all about warmth uh, while I'm in the tree stand. And then, you know, I, comfort to a certain degree, but you're not walking that far to get into a tree stand. When you go into mountain hunting, as far as boots go, in extreme cold weather, I will sometimes wear two to 400 grain thinsulate or whatever type of insulation in the boot for mountain hunting. What I found the biggest issue with that is that will generally, depending on how cold it is, cause my foot to sweat really fast. And then when I stop, I'm in a really bad shape because now my sock is wet, my foot is freezing. And so I don't wear a lot of crazy insulated boots. Now, my 2092 is kind of insulated. Um, you know, it's a beefier mountaineering boot, so it's warmer. Uh, and I've worn other boots with that two to 400 grain, uh, you know, whatever amount of insulation in it. But for the most part, I just wear a mountaineering boot in cold weather mountain hunting. And I carry, and it's the big part of this is I just carry a booty, whether it's synthetic or down in my pack, they're super lightweight. If I'm glassing or whatever, I pull my boots off and I put those on to keep my foot warm. And I do that immediately when I stop. So my foot is um, generating a lot of heat. So I, I get that booty on when I go to glassing and when I got to take off, I pull the booty off, put my boot back on. That's the best way I've found for keeping my foot, feet warm in mountain hunting situations. So um, I'm about at 30 minutes on this podcast. I don't have a ton more stuff to cover. I wanted to kind of highlight those things. Those were asked probably more than anything. And so I'll do another one of these as I kind of, you know, take notes or whatever and write down other questions people have that are asked quite a bit. So uh, either way, it was a successful hunt. I shot one crazy, super massive buck when I was down there, another decent eight point. It was relatively wide. Um, I'll touch more on that on a podcast when I talk about the hunt. Um, talk a little bit more about whitetail hunting, the hunt in general in the next podcast, but hopefully this helps you know, some of you out and, uh, yeah, good luck out there. Happy holidays. 